used with this presence, it brings life. And what I know is that across planet Earth today, there are millions of church meetings happening, but they will look very, very different. There are church meetings where the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk, the Lord Jesus will walk in the building, angels will manifest. And there's also churches where they will talk about God as a historical figure that lived a long time ago. Nothing will happen. Nobody will be changed. And two days from now, they won't even remember they were there. And it makes no difference that they got up and they went to church. Is it God that makes the difference? No. It's the people that make the difference. There's something about spiritual hunger that attracts God. 2 Corinthians 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord, that they go to and fro across the whole earth, and God is looking for someone to show Himself strong on their behalf. But He's looking for people the King James, the Old Bible, it said that their hearts are perfect towards Him. It means their hearts are inclined towards God. i got to have more of you. i got to have more of you today than I had yesterday. I can't stay in the same place this year that I was last year. Lord, you see my family. Lord, you see my job situation. You see all the things that concern me. I've got to have more of you. God comes to that person. I've been in the ministry coming up on three decades and I've learned this, that God comes where He is called. And this sovereign, amazing, too good to be true Jesus, He will stand back and He will watch you do it on your own if you want to. But He's as close as the call of His name. God comes where He is called. He has the audacity to say that if you'll ask, you'll receive. And if you knock, the door will be opened. And if you seek, you will find. You know there's no maybe in there. There's no maybe. There's no asking maybe you'll receive. There's no knocking maybe the door will open. Seek and maybe you will find. I found this out about the Lord Jesus. He speaks in superlatives. Always and everything. John 15, 7, He says, If you'll abide in Me, and My words will abide in you, you'll ask Me for anything, and I'll give it to you. And at 48 tender youngs of age, tender years of age, I can tell you that I've lived that one out. Some of y'all have a little more years on me. i found that there's nothing that God will withhold from someone who will just come after Him with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, and with all their strength. Hallelujah. I want you to know that I'm so unmoved by the size of the crowd, I could not care less. I've been in meetings with thousands and thousands and thousands of people, but there was a Tuesday morning in Searcy, Arkansas that stands out in my mind as one of the greatest experiences of my life. At most, 35 people in a little town called Searcy, Arkansas. And the Lord Jesus walked in the front door on a Tuesday morning at 1030. Do it again, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so glad to be at Grace and Truth Church. I was supposed to be in Dallas. I told you last week, I've been coming here since January 1st on assignment to strengthen Pastor Will's hands in God. And... My schedule kind of got messed up and I, I've been, I purposed in my heart to come two Sundays 
every month until my assignment is finished. But I was supposed to be at another church in Dallas today. And on Thursday morning, I got up and I was going to drive up to Dallas and I felt this thing in my spirit. Something is off. And I've learned after a few days of doing this thing, don't keep pressing forward when I feel like something is off. If you're going through life and you feel like, it's, it's like this. When something is disturbed in your spirit, it doesn't always mean danger, 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 you're going to die. It's like getting in the shower with your socks on. I, I can feel the water. I could get this thing done, but something is off. And I felt that on Thursday. Something is off. But I'm booked in Dallas. I've got back-to-back people that I'm seeing in ministries I'm talking to. So I went ahead and I drove up there, but the whole drive, I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to be at Shiloh Church, am I? And he's like, nope. But I didn't know I was going to be back here. And then Pastor Will called me and said, could you cover for me Sunday morning? And I said, I can. And I'm so excited to be here. And I want you to know, there are some people that missed it by a country mile. They came to Easter Sunday and they stayed in bed this morning and they missed it by a country mile. Things for you today. Hallelujah. And I know this. I know this. You don't have to leave the same way you came. Proverbs 4.18 says that the path of the righteous, that's you and me if we're in Jesus, it shines brighter and brighter and better and better unto that glorious day. Nowhere in God's Word does He tell us that life is supposed to be suckier and suckier and harder and harder. No, the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter and better and better. Are there problems? Yes. Jesus said, in this life you will have problems. And if He would have stopped there, we could all join hands, sing Kumbaya, have a good cry, and go home. But Jesus said, you will have tribulation, but I've overcome the world. David said that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the problems we go through. But the Lord delivers us out of them all. All. I mean, the little ones, the hard ones. He's really, really good at the impossible ones. And there's people here today you need the supernatural intervention of God. And I stand here in the authority of the and the prophet and the pastor and whatever else is needed this Sunday morning. And I tell you, you can have it! Hallelujah! Beautiful day outside, but it cannot match how beautiful it feels in here. My alarm went off. It was still in the 5 o'clock hour and my hands are just burning. And I said, oh, Jesus, you've got something for my friends at Grace and Truth Church. Thank you for the privilege of standing up in front of your people this morning. Oh, I'll never get tired of seeing the Word of God go in and transform lives. And then His presence come and does what no thousand years. So listen, focus your faith. You say, what are you going to preach on? Not sure. I got some things bouncing around in my spirit. But I promise you, we're going to hear from heaven today. Focus your faith. 
is you start thinking about what the rest of Sunday holds or what the rest of the week holds, bring it back in. Focus your faith. God, you are speaking. You have something individually, finely crafted for me. It might come through the big bald guy who's a little loud and sweaty, but you have something for me. This. Oh, he's so wonderful. He's so wonderful. The funniest thing, if you're going to be a preacher that flows in the Holy Ghost, you know, there's people that they, they prepare their messages six months in advance, and that's fine. No problem. But if you're going to be a preacher that flows in the Holy Ghost, it's just so awesome. God still requires you to prepare. He still requires you to study. I've been up for hours talking with God, jotting down a bunch of stuff, and now I'm like, uh, nah. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're going to hear from the Lord today. Amen. Praise the Lord. I told you this a couple months ago. I was in a 12-hour all-night prayer meeting. And the Lord told me as I walked into this 12-hour all-night prayer meeting, write down everything that you want to know, and I'll tell you tonight. So I wrote down 30 things that I needed to know, and every one was just a single word. Now, some of those, if you ask me, I could have talked to you for about 20 minutes what that word meant. But I wrote down about 30 things. Single word. And about eight or nine hours in, the Lord began to speak. And I just took out my pen and began just to write. And it was like teletype from heaven. God will do that if you'll seek Him. You don't have to pray eight hours. You don't have to pray nine hours. But I'm not saying you don't have to pray eight hours. I mean, you got to just flow with the Holy Ghost. But I was in a place where everybody's praying. Several hundred people there for 12 hours, just focusing in. And I was like, Lord, thank you. The Lord said... I, so I got my list done. Then the Lord said, Grace and Truth Church. I'm all ears. He said, Go, and this will be the focus of your ministry the remainder of your time there. Becoming a person of the Spirit. Because you're people of the Word already. Pastor Will is an amazing teacher of God's Word. And I'm not saying that you're not full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying that you're not led by the Spirit. I'm saying the Lord told me to make my focus helping you become more and more a person of the Spirit. And we have to have them both. I think I've said this here before. This old preacher told me once, Russell, if you're all Word, you'll dry up. But if you're all Spirit, you'll blow up. But if you'll put them together, you'll grow up. And then when Jesus comes, you'll grow up. So... I live by that. I know there are people that they are, they're in the Bible every day, but they're so dry. They're so dusty. When they talk, it just is like dust spitting. There's no life. But then, on the other side, you've got people that are so flaky. I mean, listen, there could be a light bulb burned out. It's a prophetic sign. No, the light bulb needs to be changed. I was in a meeting once where a guy fell. Not like falling out in the Holy Ghost. He literally tripped and fell. And he busted his nose and he had a nosebleed. And this lady in the choir shot up. It's prophetic! It's prophetic! No, he just fell and busted his nose. That's it. So I don't want to be goofy. I will not be goofy. But I don't want to be dry either. 
I'm going to be a man of the word and a man of the spirit. But I did not come to give you a, a beautiful outline teaching. That's not how I flow. Believe me, I've tried. So I pastored for 20 years in Dallas-Fort Worth. And on Wednesday nights, I tried to teach. And I could do it for like three weeks. But man, it, it was just like, oh, I just felt so restrained. And I tried to stand in one. Y'all seen me, right? So I tried to stand in one spot and let all the cameras do I can't do it. <laughs> Praise God for Pastor Will. People, it makes so much sense. Line upon line, precept upon precept. You'll leave here and say, what in the world did Russell say? But if you look, there's something in your spirit. The Lord showed me a long time ago, that's my job. I make deposits in people's spirit. I speak to the real you. Not the fake you. Not the flesh you. I speak to the real you. The one God made. The one God sees. I rarely rebuke sin. I rarely get off into that stuff. Even in the prophetic, God uses me to speak to people and ignite them in their spirit. Because, grace and truth, isn't it true that you've got things in your spirit that you know, you know when you looked at your world, this isn't all there is. There's something more inside of me. I'm speaking to that this morning. The God part of you. Hallelujah. Now, I set all that up and I did not know where I was going and I still don't. I want to give you exactly what God has. Praise the Lord. Sometimes God has you prepare and it does make sense. He gave me a scripture that did not make sense this morning, but now it do. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. You can turn there if you want to, or I can read it to you. I'm going to anyway. Ecclesiastes 5. We'll start in verse 18. I'm in the New King James. Here's what this is so this is Solomon speaking, the wisest and the richest man that ever lived. And while he was walking with God, God prospered him beyond what anyone had ever been prospered on the face of the earth. Then he backslid because he started marrying foreign women. And it took his heart away from the Lord. But he's still the wisest man that ever lived. And here he's at the end of his life. Got to be careful in Ecclesiastes because he's kind of like needs to be on antidepressants or get set free or something. But he says here in Ecclesiastes 5.18, here's what I've seen on the earth. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink, to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. Some Bibles say it is his portion to enjoy the things he's doing on the earth, to eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage or his portion and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Now, here's where we're going. Verse 20. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. Grace and truth, it is the heart 
of God that you are so busy every day not doing the mundane but doing the joy of your heart and as I travel and I get to interact with so many people from so many walks of life I can tell you that very few people are walking in the very center of their assignment most Christians are either bored or very frustrated. But Solomon said, I've seen this on the earth. God wants you to be busy, but not busy just working, not just busy living, but busy doing the joy of your heart. Amen. Now, what has God put in your heart? Most people... They don't have real clarity to what is in my heart because it's so clouded with responsibility. It's so clouded with tradition and what their family expects or what people expect. But what's in your heart? So I've preached on this here before because I feel like I've said this here before. But the number one thing that people come and ask me in prayer lines, because I do, I flow in the prophetic and I tell people things and sometimes a little detail, sometimes... 25 minutes you know of everything since they were born I mean I don't control that but people they, they come up to me and they say Russell can you please tell me I just want to know what's the will of God for my life very rarely does God ever tell me usually just preachers I mean I can pick out preachers out of a crowd brother I mean I can people with the call of God I can see it highlighted to me so I asked the Lord this, because I said, Lord, I need an answer for your people. How can I help your people find out what is your will? And I'm telling you, I have searched all 1,189 chapters of this book over and over and over and over. And I can't find a verse that says what God spoke to me. For this is the Logos, the written word of God. But God also speaks by the rhema, the revealed word of God down here in your spirit. But the revealed word, like the same word that came to me and said, you won't be preaching in Dallas Sunday morning. There's nowhere I can give you a chapter and verse that says, Russell Lorfing, you will not be preaching in Dallas on Sunday morning. But God did speak that word to me. That was the same God that wrote this book speaking to me. Now we have to be careful, right? You know what I'm going to say. Some of y'all have been walking with God a long time. Anything God speaks in here can never be the most sure word of prophecy. So the Lord said to me, because I'm crying out, God, I need to be able to help your people find your will. Lord, if I could sell a potion to give people where they could take one swig and know what your perfect will is, we'd be in business. All over Africa, with my, 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 I got lots of friends that preach all over Africa. But they do this nonsense over there with holy water, where the man of God will anoint water, and then people will buy it. Nonsense! Ain't nobody need to buy no holy water. So I've asked in the Lord, Lord, would you show me how to help your people find your will? Now, if I tell you it was the audible voice of God, to me it was audible. Because I hear God in my left ear. Every time I look at this precious family back here, I hear things in my left ear. I'll have something to say from God for your family today. Amen. That's the way God speaks to me. But you may not hear it. 
I've, I've had some things where other people heard it, and that's freaky. Did you just hear the Lord say? And I'm like, I thought that was just to me. <laughs> the Lord said, this is how you can know His perfect will for your life. And it's a question. What would you do with your time if money were no object? If I gave you a $100 million trust fund and you drew $4 million guaranteed interest every single year for the rest of your life and you never ever again had to worry about normal ways of provision, what would you do with your time? What would you get up every morning and do if you weren't slave to a paycheck? That's the will of God. And I've talked to people all over the world that say, if I didn't have to worry about provision, and understand, I do missionary work, I have missionaries all over the world, and some of them live on $1 a month. So it's not about American dollars provision. Some people don't get a paycheck. There's not even a monetary system. But they got to get up every day and walk miles and miles to go get water and go forage for food for their families. So, But if you could get up every day and not have to worry about provision, how would you fill your time? I had a mechanic come up in the prayer line once, and he's just sobbing. He said, I love working on cars. God put me on the earth to work on cars. I am so good at it. I can figure things out that no one else can. I don't have any stress when I'm working on cars. It, I'm so filled with joy. I love working on cars. He said, I can be in an unair conditioned garage underneath a car working and I'm just, I'm in my lane. But I'm so frustrated because I'm not fulfilled. What do I do? And I was preaching along these lines. And he said, if I didn't have to worry about paying the shop bills, if I didn't have to worry about paying insurance and trying to pay the rent, I would give away my time. I would go find single moms that needed their oil changed or their engine overhauled. I would go find people that needed things and I would just give away my time. And I said, brother, that's the will of God for you. Amen. I know I'm actually doing the perfect will of God for me right now. Because some people, they, 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 they were young in the ministry, and they said, God, I want to go fill stadiums. And, and I prayed those prayers too. But I said, God, I'll be the one that will go to small churches that could never bring in world-class ministry. I'm not bragging, not calling myself world-class. I'm just telling you what I prayed. I said, God, I'll go to small churches that could never bring in world-class ministries, and I will hold nothing back. I'm already sweating through my clothes. I made this deal with God that when I stand in front of God's people, if there's 10 or 10 million, and only a few places on the earth can you preach to 10 million people at once, I will preach the same. When I leave here, I will have to go change all my clothes before I go to my next appointment. I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm in the perfect will of God. He sent me to Houston, Texas from Tampa for the people in this building today. Sorry, those of you listening to the podcast, you count too. <laughs> so I'm, I'm speaking to your spirit. I don't care what the calendar says as far as your age. I'm asking you, are you in the perfect will of God? Do you get up every day 
full of joy running your race for Jesus or do you get up every day consumed with just going to work to live for a paycheck so you can have a roof and you can have food I know that we have to have all those things I, I got a family of five we have to have all those things but Jesus has a lot to say along these lines and there's a world system and there's God's system and you'll never get in the will of God trying to do the will of God the world's way living by the world system where every day you get up consumed by really one thing. You're going to give 40 to 60 hours of your week to an employer that can't pay you enough. I don't care how well you're paid. Even if you own your own business, and I've owned multi-million dollar companies, no one can pay me what I'm worth. No one can pay you what you're worth. So how do you get over into the will of God where your time is your own? And you're not consumed by the world system. That's what we're going to explore this morning. Is that all right? Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. And listen, it doesn't matter. I've run into people that they're actually in that situation I told you about where they have $100 million in a trust fund and it draws 4% for the rest of their life. They're not happy because even though they've got all the provision that most people could ever want, they're not abandoned to God in His will. But when you match your will being surrendered to Him to living by the ways of His kingdom in the areas of provision, hey, hey, baby, it's on. It's on. The world looks like it does because God's people are held bondage by a system where they give their best of their life for a roof and for food, for the very things that Jesus said, take no thought of. So you can't catch this with your head. You can't put this in your budget and have it make sense. you got to catch it with your spirit. But for 30 years, I've lived without a paycheck. I've learned how to operate by the principles of the kingdom of God. But do you know there's never been a time where someone, the electric company said, Oh, you're a man of God? Or, Oh, you're going after the will of God for your life in abandon? Well, you don't need to pay the electric bill. I've never gone and bought a house where they said, hey, you don't need to have a 30-year or a 15-year mortgage. No, you're doing the will of God. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. You can participate in this world fully, but not be a part of it. So you can't catch this with your head. I'm going to speak to your spirit this morning. And this is about being spirit-minded, getting on the plan of the will of God, and it's going to come down to what do you believe and how do you see money and provision? Now, if I was like a lot of televangelists or preachers, we'd all end this with an offering to me. I just want to say this. You can listen with abandon. There's no offering to me. I am here por gratis, for free. I love this house. I have no requirements on Pastor Will. He's given me some, some offerings since I've been here, you know, to my ministry. Wouldn't even cover my hotel bill. I don't care. Pastor Will's not my source. You guys aren't my source. Jehovah Jireh is my source. The Lord who provides. And you can go look at my wife's closet. You can go look at my kids' lifestyle. The Lord provides very well for us. But it's a different kind of world where you wake up on the first of every month and you've got no guarantee of anything coming in, but you have something better. You've got His Word. 
kingdom. I'll give you all the other stuff. So let's jump into this a little bit. Hallelujah. I hit the gear. Wasn't sure I was going to find it. Matthew chapter 6. You have heard this a lot. I want you to hear it with fresh ears. You know, Jesus would say this all the time. To him who has ears, let him hear. He's not talking about people that don't have cartilage on the side of their head. Everybody had cartilage on the side of their head. Listen with spiritual ears. Matthew chapter 6. Some of y'all already know where we're going. Hear this for the first time, Grace and Truth Church. Let's start in verse 19. Jesus speaking. See all the red letters? If I had to choose a favorite section of the Word of God, I love it all. I love the red letters. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, let's get into this. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Literally, it says riches there in the original Greek. You cannot serve God and riches. Then Jesus goes on and says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not more valuable than them? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit, 18 inches, to his stature, to his height? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the valley, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, here's where we'll focus. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry on its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is saying that the people that don't know God, the Gentiles, the people that Jesus had not been revealed to yet, they worry about what they're going to eat what they're going to drink, and what they're going to wear. But he said, oh, you of little faith. 
If you'll seek first the kingdom, your Father knows you need all these things. And if you'll seek first the kingdom, He will give all these things to you. And I've learned that God doesn't give us just enough. He's the God of more than enough. He gives us more than we need. And just because it makes the devil mad, I'll tell you the story again. I was here four weeks ago, five weeks ago, and I'm shrinking by the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm, I mean, weight is falling off of me every week. And I literally, all my clothes are gone. So I've been giving away my clothes like crazy. I'm only home like one week a month, you know, for a few days. I go into the closet and nothing fits. So I gather it all up and I go give it all away. And then I go and buy just a few more things. Or I send my wife, who she loves to shop for me. She's like, Russell, you have no style sense at all. And she is right. This outfit, if it looks stylish at all, it's because Belinda Lorfing helped. She said, I'll go buy you some clothes. So she did online and order some stuff or go grab some stuff. And I put it in my suitcase and I never even tried it on. And I got here like five weeks ago and I put it on. And it's, it's kind of like this shirt now. I mean, it just, it just hung on me. And I was like, you just bought this stuff like two weeks ago, but that's fine. Look, the Lord said, son, to me, son, I'm going to give you a birthday present. When you turn 49 years old on August 7th, I'm going to take all that weight off of you. And he's just doing it. I haven't weighed at all until right before I got on the plane for this trip. I'm down 72 pounds, but to the glory of God. Now, listen, you might say, well, you are a fatty. Yes, yes. There was an area of my life where I was just deaf. I can hear God on anything, but going to the Taco Bell drive-thru at 1 o'clock in the morning, I promise you the Holy Ghost is saying, no, 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 fatty. But I said, I like it. <laughs> so the Lord said, no pills, no potions. I'm making this up. This, this is just Russell. No multi-level marketing dreams that people want to hawk on you. You know what I'm talking about, you know? Um, he said, no pills, no potions, nothing that man could get the glory for. I'm going to take this weight off of you, and God is doing it. It's amazing. And I'll get back to um, you know, uh, Fort Worth in a week, and I won't have anything to wear. But I went to Dallas um, five weeks ago, and I went to go see a friend. And he's got this big, beautiful house, and he's got a tremendous testimony. He's one of those guys. He was making $50,000 a year trying to support a family of three, which, I mean, is fine, but not the easiest thing to do in America in a city with very high cost of living. And we began to talk about what I'm talking to you about this morning. And by the grace of God, and by really pressing in in prayer to hear God for his life, He's now making $550,000 a year. And he's got a big, beautiful house to match his new salary. So he wanted me to see it. So I went to his house, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's like he spent as much on the furniture and artwork as the house. And I'm like, praise God. I knew you when you lived with me on my couch in Bible school when you had nothing. Look at how the Lord has prospered you. That's amazing. And he'll be the first one to tell you it's the hand of the Lord. He tells people all the time, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough to have done all this. It's only the Lord working through my life. He now owns five companies. Five companies. But as I'm eating dinner, he says, hey, did you look in the closet in there? And I said, no, I didn't look in the closet. I didn't unpack my suitcase. And he said, go look in the closet. And I thought, we're eating. He says, no, no, go now, go now, go now. He had put $25,000 worth of suits and shirts in my closet for me. 
And so I loaded them all up in my, in my car, and I didn't know how much they cost. I didn't know. I actually asked him later because there were 17 suits and 10 shirts. And I said, hey, I want to be able to testify of the blessing of God. Just ballpark, what are we talking here? And he told me what he paid for all these suits and all these shirts. $25,000. Pretty awesome, right? Now, I needed suits and I needed shirts. And I got plenty of money. I could go buy them. But I told you, every time I'm losing weight, I got really nice clothes. One thing I don't do is I don't buy junk. I like quality. And I've been giving stuff away to other preachers and stuff like crazy. So I've got all these clothes in the ground. Well, if you give away clothes, what comes back? Clothes. So here it is. Here it is. I've got, I was here with y'all. I still don't have possession of those suits. I gave those, I won't say who because they might be listening to the podcast. I gave those to someone I trust. And they had a family member that was 94 years old who had the audacity to die. And they'd been busy and they forgot that they had all those suits or were supposed to ship them. They're all boxed up, ready to go. Still, They are still in Harris County. So if you're listening to the podcast, they promised me they'd beat me to Tampa when I'm back like in eight days. Hey, listen, grace and truth. God, you, you can't think like the world thinks. God spoke to that man to do that for me. I would imagine that I will be too small for most of those clothes when they get to Tampa. Do you know that God has plenty more clothes behind that? Because man is not my source. I never told that guy that I was needing more clothes and that stuff I was putting on in my suitcase. You know, I'm a guy. Guys don't talk that way. We don't talk about, you know, what we're wearing and all that kind of stuff, you know. I, I, I'm not a foo-foo, you know. You know foo-foo? I'm, I'm not a foo-foo. I don't care about that stuff. And if you hear me talking about clothes or anything... You don't know me well enough privately to know that I could give two poos about what I wear. I don't care. I did, I did up here. I just want to represent Jesus well. But I did up here wearing anything. I don't care. I'd be fully clothed. I promise you that. But I don't care about that stuff. I drive luxury cars. I have an amazing house. I don't care about any of that. I got into this thing for the Lord Jesus and for His glory. I started a ministry making $500 a month. I Listen... I stand in awe of what God is doing just for me personally. And I made a covenant with Him when I was 19. I will never tell another person about my needs. I will only talk to you. Because if you can't get it to me, may I never have it. If you can't bring it to me, then I don't want it. So I've had people mad at me before. If you would have just told us, if you would have just said you were going through this thing or believing for this thing, that's not the way this covenant with my Father works. But God has never let me down one time. And then sometimes you're a little frustrated because your shirts are kind of on you like a tent and you open up a closet and He spoke to someone else to give you $25,000 worth of clothes. Now listen, religion, listen, I will get emails on this podcast because people don't like that. But God knows you need stuff. Red letters, Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about the stuff we need. But if we only focus on what we need, God will provide. David said this. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. But if you make it your focus to only be focused on your needs, you'll be doing that till Jesus comes or you go to heaven. And God will love you all of his promises are true, but that is the way the world lives. They live focused on, i got to make money this week, or on the 1st and the 15th, my paycheck. And everything about their world is working for the man. 
And when I say the man, I just mean somebody that's not God. That's not your portion, Grace and Truth Church. I believe that most people, God's portion, is that they own their own business. Now, I know there are people that have to go work somewhere else for a while. But there's no business that's going to pay you as a W-2 employee what you're worth. And if God wants to bless you, He's got to bless them heathens a lot of time with a whole lot more to get money down to you. Hey, I was just in a meeting with some multimillionaires and the word of the Lord fell on me and I told one of them, see, I don't listen to country music, but evidently there's a country music song called Red Solo Cup. Y'all ever heard of that? <laughs> I, was sitting in a, I was sitting in a dinner and I heard these words, Red Solo Cup. And the first I have a deal with God, the first thing that I hear, I Google it, and the first search result, that's my interpretation. Well, the first result was some country song called Red Solo Cup. I don't even know what it means. I didn't click on the lyrics or anything else. The Lord showed me He wants this man to go solo. He wants to go. He's, part, he's a better business partner, has a multi-million dollar company, but he's partnered with someone who's not going the same direction as him. And the Lord showed me a red solo cup and said, you're going to go solo. And he said, I've been feeling that. I've got something in my spirit that's different than what I'm doing now. And I said, because the Lord wants to pour out blessings on you, but to bless you, he's got to bless everyone else involved and they don't have the same covenant. So, solo, baby, get it. I'm convinced that that's where God takes most people. Now, there are nurses, there are attorneys, there are people that God uses and places them in specific situations. But I've never met a person that has a real desire to do something for the kingdom, to like sponsor missionaries and to build churches and to feed orphans and to, to clothe the poor. I've never found someone that inside of them wasn't an idea that God wanted to anoint where they could have their own business and He could bless them to fulfill their vision. You see what I'm saying? If you work at a job and you make whatever, we're going to make up a number. If you make $70,000 a year and God wants to get $50,000 a year to you, He's got to bless that company in abundance for you to get a $50,000 bonus. That's not His best. So, if in your spirit you, this resonates with you, I'm telling you, there's an idea, there's something lurking down in there that God will anoint. Because Jesus said... Do not focus on what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He said the answer is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and that all the stuff gets added to you. And I know people like that. There was a time I was early in the ministry and I lived on the church property and we had like this um, double-wide trailer. And I don't know how it got dubbed the Love Shack, but to this day, that's still what it's called. I lived in this building on the church property, and they called it the Love Shack. And at one time, I had five other young preachers living with me. So they had written a little sign out on the front that said the Love Shack. I took it down, and I called it Russell's Home for Wayward Boys. Because, I, I mean, listen, it was only big enough for really for me. And I had five other young guys, stinky, you know, 19, 20-year-old preachers. Don't do their laundry and don't flush the toilet and don't clean them after themselves. Was not happy. 
and they were broke. And I think about this all the time, that 30 years later, I look back and all of us that were so broke, there were times that we would have to dig all the change out of the couch and we would make a run for the border. See, see the Taco Bell edition? Yes. We would make a run for the border like right before they closed and we would like split a couple burrito supremes. All of us, by the hand of God, blessed beyond measure because we sought first the kingdom. And no preacher can tell you what does seeking first the kingdom look like for you. But in your spirit, you know. And my question to you is this, and I love you. Are you seeking first the kingdom? Or do other things have your fascination? I travel full time. And I run into God's people. And I would say that the number one problem for the body of Christ in America is that they're carnal. Not because they don't love God. Because they consume all day entertainment that just feeds them on the world system. I was in prayer a few years ago. And the Lord showed me a whole generation of young people holding a glowing box. And this is before iPhones and all that stuff. He showed me an entire generation with glowing boxes in their hands. And it was the oddest scene. Make a lot of sense to you now. It was the oddest scene. There were thousands of young people and none of them could look up. They were all down like this, looking at this glowing box. And I was preaching to them in the vision. And they were supposed to all be looking at me, but they were all looking at this glowing box. And in the vision, I prophesied, you're having your destiny hijacked by the glowing box. Well, now, go anywhere and look, but now it's adults. Hey, I was just, I was just in a meeting uh, with some people, and everyone there had, like, white hair. You know, everyone there was, was, like, a senior citizen, and I was ministering, and even they were consumed by their phones and their smart... I mean, it's nonsense. So, I'm not rallying, throw away your phone. But I'm not, not saying don't throw away your phone. I actually have two phones. I have an iPhone, you know, uh, Pro Max, and then I have another iPhone that doesn't have any apps on it, that no one has the phone number to but my wife and my kids, doesn't have the same Apple ID, even though if you want to message me on there, it's GentleGiant777, <laughs> and that's called my prayer phone. And from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., every day of my life, I only have that phone. No one can reach me, no apps, no notifications, because that's something God dealt with me about. Even me. And I love God as much as anyone I've ever met. Truth be told, I love God more than anyone I've ever met. I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you the truth. I've never met anybody that loves Jesus as much as me. Some people have come close. And even me, I can lose an hour of my day or two hours of my day to nonsense. And there is a hurting world that needs the gospel. That So I'm saying to you, seek first the kingdom and God will add all the stuff that you need. But what does it mean for you to seek first the kingdom? Nasty, stinky leg religion will tell you you got to pray this much and read the Bible this much and you got to bind and loose and do spiritual warfare and you got to break every generational curse and it'll put a laundry list of stuff you got to do. I'm not saying that. We don't go there. That's nasty religion. Most Christians are powerless because they're bound by a checklist that man put on them. Listen, I read the Word a lot, but I won't tell you how many chapters I read a day. 
But you can look in the back of my Bible and see that I go through the Bible over and over and over again. Now mark it off. But that's for me. I won't tell you how much time I spend in prayer every day. Because that's for me. I can't tell you what you seeking God is supposed to look like. But I can tell you that Jesus said you're supposed to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. And that everything you could ever need in this life in the natural realm, that He Himself will add it to you. People don't get this. They don't get this. They think, oh, so I got to throw away my TV. I did, but I can't tell you to throw away your TV. I can't be on social media. I, I can't tell you what to do. I can just tell you the Holy Ghost wants all of you. And He doesn't have all of you. So all you do is say, Lord, it's all for you. Everything in my life belongs to you. Are there any adjustments? Close your eyes, grace and truth. We'll do it right now. Father, you do this all over the world. Lord, even in this moment, Father, show them with great clarity any adjustments to make. In grace and truth, the thing that's dominant, that's what you respond to right now. And you just say, okay, Lord, it's yours. In the old days, they would, they would sing that song, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender all. That's the way we're supposed to live, grace and truth. That's the way we walk with God. Jesus regularly, I love this, I have it underlined in every Bible I've ever owned. It says that early in the morning, Jesus got up as was His custom and He went away to the Father to pray. I've got an 18-year-old son. My youngest boy has turned 18 this Friday. And he's graduating high school and he's going into Bible college. And he said, Dad, I need some help. I think that I'm going to go into Bible college and I'm not ready. I need some help. And I've never forced my son to pray. I've never forced him to study the Word. Um, I've encouraged him greatly, but things don't work that way. You can't... said the magic words, Daddy, I need your help. I said, boy, we're setting that alarm for 5.30 and let's get up and let's pray. And so he's been doing it. He's been doing it. But that's the thing for him. He loves to sleep. He can sleep until 2.30 in the afternoon and be just fine. For him to seek God and to seek the kingdom with all of his heart, he's got to get up early and put aside some of that childish stuff. And I have found that God has that for everybody. I was in my hotel room last night. I have, I have been nonstop since January 1st. I've not had one day off. I don't even believe it's in days off. But I haven't had one leisure day since January 1st. And what day? We're past April 15th, right? I don't care. I said, Jesus, I live for you. I don't care. But I am, my flesh is tired. And I am looking for. I'll be off the month of May with my family in Tampa. I'm tired. And I mean, listen, I don't watch TV. I couldn't even tell you what the TV channels are. But I laid on the couch in my suite and I'm like, oh, it feels so good just to turn on the TV and just like watch something and zone out. But I know where that leaves me, grace and truth. It leaves me empty. You can do it. You can do it. But it won't feed you. It'll just leave you wanting. And I decided when I turned 40, almost nine years ago, I would no longer live by anything that leaves me feeling empty. I haven't been to a movie in a movie theater since I turned 40. Because every time I would leave, I was like, well... It was pretty cool they spent $200 million to entertain me for 15 bucks. I mean, the, the economics of it all work. But I'm wanting. 
I'm not full. I'm not fulfilled. In fact, I'm a little grieved. I just spent three hours staring at a screen full of stuff that doesn't please Jesus. And I'm not talking about rated R, nudity. I don't watch any of that stuff ever. I love Jesus. People that love Jesus don't watch that stuff. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Jesus said, be perfect like my Father in heaven is perfect. He wasn't kidding. We just live like Him. Where He's not holding us to some standard that we can't reach. We just live like Jesus lived. We don't curse, right? We don't get drunk. I don't even drink. I don't want to go there this morning, dear God. I said that one day here and it like bounced off the back wall. We won't go there. I just want you to have everything that Jesus has for you. And I know that there are roadblocks in people's lives all over the world and they boil down to about five things. And if I could get people to just focus on Jesus and let the five things go, their life would skyrocket. But religion tries to do that through the effort of man. I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. And I mean, I've done all those things. I started owing God. I'm going to read the Bible this much. I'm going to pray this much. And pretty soon I owed God. And I had to declare bankruptcy because I was like months. I mean, I could have prayed for months and I wouldn't have caught up. Could have read the word constantly, never caught up. God, that's not God putting that on you. Isaiah 55, 12 says that you will be led forth with peace and you will spring forth with joy. That's the way that God leads His children. And as you're sitting in this meeting, the Lord's actually speaking adjustment to some people. But it doesn't come with condemnation. You actually like have like a joy. I, I want to do that. I want to do that. Now when the addiction kicks in, then it's, then it's a little bit of a struggle sometimes. But in this moment, the thing you feel joy and peace about, yes! When I mentioned like diving into the Word and just reading it and reading it and praying or whatever, and you feel that joy, that's the Holy Ghost saying, yes, that's where we're going. That's where I'm taking you. But what God doesn't do is put handcuffs on you and say, you can have no fun. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. That's not how God leads His people. Peace and joy. In fact, I've told the Lord many times, Lord, if you ever stop moving in my life in peace and joy, I'll be out of your will in a nanosecond. Because I've so tuned myself in to the, the lane that God travels in is peace and joy. He has spoken to me so extravagantly hard things. He has hurt my feelings many times. Because I, I, I've asked Him. I said, God, the, the ones you love, you chasten. The ones you love, you discipline. I love the discipline of the Lord. I've told you this story. I was a jerk to my wife and kids. I made them freeze for years. 68 degrees in your house is frigid for the women who have no body fat. And I just, I mean, and I was such a jerk about it. Put on clothes! Put on clothes! And they, I mean, listen, everyone in my family had at least two space heaters in different areas and they would go camp out. And so and I was on a fast and I said, Lord, anything you want to say to me, and he said, you're selfish. And he showed me. And it hurt my feelings. But Lord, you know I'm fat. You know I don't like to sweat. I like it ice cold. I've never had a problem with $700 electric bills because I like to be cold. But my family doesn't like to be cold. My kids actually said, God, Dad, we love it when we're somewhere else because we can just walk around the house in normal clothes. <laughs> And, but the Lord had to speak to me. You're selfish. Hurt my feelings. But I want to hear those things. And my family would tell you they're glad that Dad changed. 
God will speak those things to you. Anything in your life. I use this, this fancy phrase with God. I just It came out of my heart one day. I said, Lord, I yield my life to your sovereign review. If there's anything that doesn't fully please you, you can tell me, and it's yours. And so many times, especially about my wife and my kids, the people that are closest to me, you guys can think I'm great, but you don't see me when I'm hangry. You guys can think I'm great, but you don't see me when I'm throwing a little bit of a fit because I don't get my way and I really wanted something. You know, people do that. Have you ever done that? God will speak to you. Adjustments for you so that you can fully seek His kingdom. And I know I've kind of meandered today, but I'm telling you, this is what the Holy Ghost wants you to hear. He's not trying to put things on you. He's trying to take things off of you. Our God is a liberator. I dare you. Right? I triple dog dare you to ask the Lord anything in my life that isn't fully pleasing to you. I give it to you. It's yours. You say the word, it's yours. I've never told this story publicly, but I just felt the Holy Ghost tell me. I went on a fast for 15 months and it was this Daniel fast and listen the Daniel fast people do it they're not really fasting they publish cookbooks and their Instagram's full of what they're doing and they're not eating meat but they're eating everything else and I mean it's just it's not even a fast but but I was doing like a real Daniel fast for 15 months and I had no meat and I had no sugar and I was basically just a vegan and I knew that food was a problem in my life. I mean, I could look down at my belly and know this is an area that needs help from God. So for one year and three months, I did not eat meat and I did not eat sugar. But it wasn't a religion people close to me knew because we didn't go out to steakhouses or went to steakhouses. I would not get a filet. I would get like roasted vegetables or, you know, stuff like that. And uh, my family, of course, they knew. And... Um, after 15 months, I was at a church function at my church and there was a lemon cupcake sitting on the table and I had not had a bite of sugar for 15 months and I just felt that that grace for fasting had just lifted and I ate that lemon cupcake and to this day, that is the greatest thing I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> Kid you not. Kid you not. Um, and I've told you this before. I mean, I, I do a lot of fasting. I'm not an American Christian. I'm like an old school Book of Acts Christian. And if you really want to appreciate food, just fast. Even a one-day fast, food tastes so amazing. Even Brussels sprouts taste amazing if you haven't eaten in two or three days. And so I do a couple of, of at least 21-day fast a year. And, you know, I, I just, it, it's awesome. If you really want to enjoy food, just push the plate back, spend time with God, and you'll enjoy it even more. But I, I ate that lemon cupcake and about a, and so I started eating normally again and man, it will mess your gut up to eat all that stuff. You've not been used to it. So that, that, that was a whole adventure in and of itself. My family still has stories to tell about all that. But um, no, no, no kidding. And, um, but about a week later, my wife said, Russell, there's a problem. And, uh, and this, this really, what I'm telling you is very, I've never shared this publicly. It's very precious to me. 
She said, Russell, there's a problem. She said, the old you is back. And it's not good. She said, for 15 months, I felt like I've been married to Jesus. You've not once snapped at me. You've not once been impatient with the kids. She said, but ever since you started eating sugar again, it's like the old you is back. And that hurt me. I mean, as, as a husband who really seeks to love my wife like Jesus loved the church, that hurt me. And what we figured out is that sugar is a problem for me. I mean, I, I, and I've done all the research. I've, I, I've listened, believe me. My wife, she's into all that natural, organic, crunchy stuff. You wouldn't even believe all the stuff that I consume on a daily basis. Wheatgrass, I mean, the whole thing. She's all into that stuff. But we found out that the way God wired my body, sugar is toxic to my system, and it manifests itself in short-temperedness and irritation. And I don't recognize it. And so I did not believe that. I'm a mighty man of God. I can eat anything I want to. I can take up snakes, literally, and they won't harm me. I can drink any deadly thing and it won't harm me. That's what Mark chapter 16 promises. And so I, I, I did not believe her. You know, I said, don't you put those limits on me and don't you know I travel full time and don't you know what American food supply looks like and all that. But she wasn't lying and I could tell. And the Lord dealt with me so strongly that nowhere in my word did I give you permission to eat anything you want to. The stuff that you're eating isn't even... It wasn't what I looked at in Genesis in the garden and said it is good. All that stuff is man-made. None of it's natural. It's all been stripped of all the stuff that I made it to have. You hear me? I'm not trying to teach on nutrition, but our food supply is jacked up. And so the Lord said, and these are instructions to me. I'm not saying to you. He said, the things that I said are good in Genesis are the things you can eat and the things that I said are not good you cannot eat so I don't eat things that are not all natural things that God made I don't eat white sugar I don't eat any of that and my wife will tell you that for years now she feels like she's married to Jesus again that is a hard correction for God to bring because I love food and I'm actually like a foodie and I love sugar and I go to like really really nice restaurants but I'm one of those annoying people that has to talk to the chef or has to look it up online first. You can ask Pastor Will. Every Sunday after church, I take him anywhere. Here's the deal. I told Pastor Will, I'll buy you lunch anywhere as long as I get to choose. Because <laughs> I live in Florida and there is no good barbecue and there's no good Mexican food. So no. So every, every Sunday, uh, Pastor Will and I, we wear out some barbecue place or Mexican place. But he'll tell you, I pull it up online and I look at their menu and I look to see if they put stuff that is toxic to your body in it. And I did that because God showed me through my wife, through the person I'm closest to, that I'm not living in his best if I eat certain things. And I'm a faith man. I'll tell you, eat anything you want to. I'm just telling you, this is what happened to me. So the Lord will speak words of correction that are not easy. But I want you to know that I wake up every day full of peace, full of joy, knowing that I will never again go through a Starbucks and have a caramel macchiato from Starbucks ever again. I don't put that stuff in my body. I don't. But I am so full of joy and so full of peace because I'm doing what God told me to do. I don't have handcuffs on me. If we went out to dinner, we would go to the nicest places in Houston. It just wouldn't be maybe the first place we saw or whatever. And I tell you this because I know that God has some deep words of alignment and correction 
that he wants to bring. This is like real Holy Ghost preaching, by the way. I promise you, I could preach where we could all be jumping and shouting at the promises of God. And I do that. And I love it. But this is real Holy Ghost preaching where God can come in with a wrench and He can adjust this and adjust that and adjust this. And He's trying to take you to a beautiful place. He's trying to take you to a bountiful place. But it comes through adjustment. You hear me? Oh, that's good. Hey, that's good preaching. I don't care who you are. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're going to be a person of the Spirit, it's not this thing. It's not like a cloak that you wear. It's a thing that you become. And you walk it out decision by decision. You don't wake up on a Monday morning and say, I'm going to be a person of the Spirit today. Even though there is a verse, Paul told the Corinthians, that you put on the Lord Jesus Christ like a garment and make no provision for the flesh. It's like 1 Corinthians 13, 17 or something like that. But you put on the Lord Jesus like a garment. You didn't do that. But to be a person of the Spirit is not a one-time decision. It's as you walk your life, you're just responding to the Holy Ghost. Thing by thing by thing by thing. But I'm giving you like a cheat code. You know, my, my kids, they play video games and stuff, and there's like a cheat code, you know, like unlimited lives or superpower or whatever, and they're always like looking for little cheat codes. I'll give you a cheat code for life. Isaiah 55, 12. You will be led forth with peace and you will spring forth with joy. If you got up every day and only followed peace and joy, you'd be right in the center of the bullseye in God's will every single time. Because there's no peace and joy about being a jerk. There's no peace and joy about being selfish. There's no peace and joy about wanting your own way. Uh, when I was back in Tampa, I had one day to be with my family. And I was irritated. If you knew me privately, you'd find out that I really have to cling to Jesus. Just things irritate me. If people don't move the same speed that I move, I get very irritated. And my wife, she has a gear that's about half of mine. She moves about half as fast as I do, but it's always right. It's always lovely. It's always so sweet. I'm like 80 miles an hour. Let's get it. And I'm irritated because you want to go 40. So I'm home and we're doing this massive project. Did I tell you all about the 30-yard dumpster yet? I didn't, did I? Yeah, so the last time I was home, don't ever do this when you only have like two days to make it happen. We got a 30-yard dumpster. You know how big a 30-yard dumpster is? Took up my entire driveway, both sides. There's like 22 feet long and maybe like 12 feet wide, and then it's like taller than I am, eight feet tall, massive. And we, de- we did a decluttering. They- they've been working on it, and we threw away everything that was clutter, everything that wasn't excellent. I felt like I'd been through a deliverance service. It felt amazing to have all this clutter gone. My wife had been, you know, uh, putting everything aside, and we had like Salvation Army come for this, and this is going to these people, this is going to these people. But we just have stuff and junk. And, you know, I've mentioned this a few times. When I've been here, there was a time in my life for four years where I ran, I mean, I I started by myself, me and my wife, in the ministry, a little company. And then I woke up one day and I had 100 employees. And we, we, you know, we had like $17 million come through our hands in a span of four years. I mean, you, you can't even write Hollywood stories like that. Just amazing. But we lived in some big houses with like massive furniture and 
this annoying little thing called knickknacks that have to fill like every little corner and art niche of the house and all this stuff. So as I've been responding to God, we've been like downsizing, downsizing, downsizing. And so we peaked at a house like 7,000 square feet and now I live in a house that's like 2,000 square feet. And to me, that's still too big. I don't like to clean. I don't like clutter. So we said, after all these years, we've been carrying boxes from house to house to house to house. Friends, we had boxes from 2005 that were labeled three, like not priority, like open these later, that had never been opened. So we opened every box. It was like Christmas for some things. You know, it's was like, I knew we had one of those, you know. We decluttered everything. I mean, when I say decluttered, I mean, we filled a 30-yard dumpster with stuff. And as that thing drove off, I was like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. I highly advise it. The Lord said, out with the old and in with the new. But if you won't go out with the old, there's no room for the new. So we took it seriously. We took stock of our lives in every area. That's so I, I brought y'all a word of the Lord for uh, 2023 on January 1st, but I had a private word of the Lord. The Lord said, out with the old, in with the new. But before the old go, the old has to go before the new can come. So here we are, like four or five months later, still trying to fully cooperate with that word. But praise God, the 30-yard dumpster is gone. But I'm driving down the road. I'm talking about peace and joy. I'm driving down the road and I only have one day to, to do it, all these errands and my wife has the audacity to give me a list. No, no, no. I have my list of stuff to do. She gives me a list of stuff she needs while you're out. Oh, the bane of my existence. So I do it though. I go to the UPS store. I do the Amazon returns. I do this. And then she calls me, oh, while you're over there, swing by the grocery store and pick this up. And so I do all that. And I'm driving past and out of the corner of my eye, I spy Smoothie King. And my wife loves ginger lemon spinach smoothies. Loves them. And I'm irritated at her because she has filled my day with her errand list. They could have been done last week. They could have been done three days ago. But no, they had to wait till the last day I'm in town. You ever been there? But I had this, this thing from God. I was in a meeting and at a minister's conference and Rodney Howard Brown said, some of you men here, your wife lives to bless you. She lives to make your life awesome. She worked so hard to make it where you can just carry this gospel around the world. He said, you should get in a competition to out-bless your wife. And when I heard out-bless your wife, it leaked in my spirit and I got so full of joy. So I made this private thing with God. For the rest of the year, Lord, I am going to out-bless my wife. So I'm, I'm running all these errands for her, and I, and I see the Smoothie King, and I think she would love a ginger lemon spinach smoothie. But she did make me run all these errands, and I had to just go to the grocery store and pick up steaks. And it's 5.30, and I just drive on past. Bye-bye, Smoothie King. See ya! Mile down the road. Mile down the road. Holy Ghost says, you really going to do that? You really going to do that? You felt, you felt the peace and joy when you saw the Smoothie King, but you kept on driving. 
So I U-turned that bad boy. It took me 15 minutes in traffic to get back to U-turn and U-turn and make it to that smoothie king. And when I got there, there was a line out the door. I said, Lord, surely this is not the abundant life you have for me. I don't like to stand in line either. If you can't call and get reservations at the restaurant or get the little app and be on the line, I don't wait 45 minutes for anything. But I did. I went and I got her a smoothie and it blessed her and literally she had a tear in her eye. She said, because I know you, Russell, and I know how irritated you are with all these errands. I'll be at the airport at 5.30 in the morning and you stopped and got me a smoothie. And it felt amazing. That's the way our lives in God are. Doesn't matter how we feel about it in the natural. If there's peace and joy, that's God. Do it. No matter how you feel, just do it. And watch your life just go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Isn't that good? Amen. That one was for free. Praise the Lord. Listen, on Wednesday, when I was feeling like I was in the shower with my socks on about going to preach at this church in Dallas, and I did not think I'd be coming back here. I'd already told Pastor Will we had been talking about some things, and he called and said, hey, I need you. I heard the word impartation. I heard the word impartation. And it's something that we haven't done in all the time that I've been here. I've prayed for people. I've ministered to people. I've, I've ministered to your greatest need. I've endeavored to the thing that you really need to see the hand of God in. I've asked you every time, let's go after that. We don't have a little Minnie Mouse God. we got Jehovah. Let's get it. God wants hard things. Easy things you can kind of do yourself sometimes. But we, you know, we spend all our time focusing on little things with God and we ignore the big things. Go after the big things. This is completely unrelated to anything that I just said. You know that it's not faith to ignore symptoms. It's faith to deal with symptoms. And right now I, I feel something that I need to address. And I'm not looking at anyone on purpose. I literally don't, I don't want to zero in on anybody. I'm never, I would never embarrass you unless the Lord says something very, very specific. It's not faith to ignore symptoms. It's faith to deal with symptoms. And in this building, I feel something along the lines of um, like diabetic symptoms and numbness in feet. And, and I just want to say this by the Holy Ghost. It's not God to ignore that. It's God to deal with it. And if you can't deal with it in the Spirit and see healing come and see the symptoms go, then go deal with it in the natural until you can build your faith and work things out to have them be healed. But it's not faith to ignore symptoms. It's faith to deal with symptoms. Praise the Lord. That's for free. All right. So, importation. Paul told Timothy that to stir up the gift that was within you that you received by the laying on of hands. And so there is a kingdom principle that there is a transfer of spiritual gifts that come through the laying on of hands. And there are people here today that you desire to move in power. You desire to move in prophecy. You desire to move in healing and discerning of spirits. But you don't because you don't have the impartation of that gift yet. And there's even more people here that you've moved in things in a measure in your life. 
but you're not moving at the level that you really want to. That's where the stirring up of the gifts that you received by the laying on of hands, that's where it comes in to play. The gifts that are moving in my life are largely... Okay, I'm not going to open up 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and teach on the gifts of the Spirit, but I will say this. No man can give you a gift that God doesn't will. The gifts of the Spirit only move as God wills. But God wills for you to move in the gifts of the Spirit. I could take you to... Nigeria today, I could take you to Peru today, I could take you to people that look just like you and me with varying uh, you know, shades of skin color that are moving in the gifts of the Spirit so powerfully, so powerfully, but it's not because God wills it for them and not for Americans. Americans don't really go after the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, you live in America, you don't really have to go after healing, you'll just go to the doctor. You don't have to really believe God for anything, you'll just put it on a credit card. Listen, I know Western Christianity. I, I am one. But I'm not one. Because on the inside of me, I'm a Book of Acts Christian. I'm not a typical American. And God doesn't want you to be either. There is a hurting world that you can't meet their needs out of your head. You meet their needs by giving them something from the Spirit of God. And so today, I'm going to open up. That's how I'm going to close the service. If you want to see a fresh deposit or a fresh stirring of the gifts of the Spirit in your life. That's what the Lord is serving on the menu this morning. But if you don't want that, no problem. No problem. I'm serious. I mean, there's no criticism. You don't understand it. It's not for you. It's no big deal. But before I knew I would be back here at this address on Sunday morning, I knew that the Lord wanted me to do an impartation wherever I was. And so I'd be here... So that's what we're going to do. Now, I want to close the service. I'm not going to give an altar call, but I do want to just thank all the people that drove in from all over Texas to come to Grace and Truth Church this morning. And y'all may not be able to see them with your natural eyes, but I see in the Spirit what God wants. It's not this building. It's not this sparse crowd. God is going to give Grace and Truth Church a building. My God was screens with lyrics during the worship so you can know how all the words of the songs. And it's going to be awesome. And I've asked God if I can be there on dedication Sunday. I've also told the Lord if He wants me to pay for it, I'm glad to do that too. Every time I'm here and my voice is hoarse the next day, I'm like, Lord, I would gladly buy them a sound system. Makes me no difference. But I see, and I'm just speaking out. See, if it's too big for your mouth, it's too big for your hand. I'm just speaking out what I see in my spirit for Grace and Truth Church. I told Pastor Will this, I see a church of 350 strong, strong, strong people of all age groups, from all walks of life, hearing the Word of God on Sunday mornings and being people of the Spirit. I see services on Sunday nights. I see services on Wednesday nights. I see things for the children, things for the youth, things for the seniors. There is a powerful church that God wants in the Houston area. And as I stand up